many have grown testing? How many have grown to love Anthony? Hold your hand up. We're really going to miss him. Let's pray. Father, we're so very grateful for Anthony Nelson, Kristen, and the family, and thank you for all the ways they have blessed us, especially me. Father, we know you have called them, and your calling is sure. Use them powerfully in this great city, in this great church, Father. We bless them today in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. As Bill preaches and brings the gospel to us, use him and fill him. And may we all be grateful for your goodness. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. 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 Thank you, Steve. And uh, good morning. How are you doing? You're wondering what happened, right? Actually, I'm one of the finalists on a Franklin Graham impersonation contest. <laughs> My daddy said, no, actually what happened was, uh, just so I can explain the suit, normally you don't see people in suits up here, uh, but uh, when I, I was resting up this week, uh, trying to get some rest uh, before I have surgery coming up this Wednesday on my knee, get, I get a new knee, it'd be my seventh knee operation, so I'm used to the drill, um, and uh, when I came home, there was a box waiting for me at my doorstep. Uh, so, and when I opened up the box, there was a suit inside the box. You see, when I got, when I lived out in California, uh, God saw fit to connect me and a great man of God, an ex-NBA basketball player named Paul Westfall. If, you, if you're around me long enough, you hear me talking about Paul a lot. I, I share a lot about Paul at, at Encounter. Uh, Carolyn and I actually had the privilege of going to his NBA Hall of Fame induction ceremony, which was just an honor. And, uh, and after, uh, shortly after, a year after his induction into the NBA Hall of Fame, Paul was diagnosed with brain cancer. And um, but while we were in California, uh, again, like I said, I got to be good friends with Paul. And I watched him in his journey after he was diagnosed with brain cancer. You see, before I knew Paul, I idolized him as a great basketball player. He's one of the greatest players ever played the game of basketball, a legendary player. But when I got to know him as a friend and as a brother in Christ, I marveled at his faith. I marveled at his humility. I marveled at his, at his gratefulness and thankfulness. And I watched a man of God go through a prison of pain and turn that prison of pain into a prison of praise as he walked through cancer, as people from all over the country flew in to see him and, and talk to him. I had the honor of being one of the speakers at, at his memorial service. I actually had to speak after Charles Barkley, of all people. And uh, we're good friends with the family. Matter of fact, his family is watching the service this morning. I want to say hi to the Westfall family watching in Arizona and California. Uh, we loved him dearly. Uh, his wife, Cindy, was praying, what do, after Paul had passed, what do I do with Paul's suits? And she says, Bill, you've lost all this weight, and you're Paul's size now, aren't you? I said, I'm 6'4", 225, and she goes, that's what Paul was. She goes, and 
she decided to send me Paul Westfall suits. And I don't deserve to wear this suit. I, I can't walk in the humility and gratefulness that that man walked in. And I'm honored to be standing here today in one of Paul's suits. Uh, and, uh, and I'm grateful. And I'm thankful. And so, I don't, you don't ever dedicate services. We always, always dedicate it to Jesus, but this one's for Paul. If you got your Bibles... Um, Open to Acts chapter 16, verse 16. Uh, familiar passage about the Apostle Paul and Silas. And they got into a little trouble. And let's pick it up. You got your Bibles? Chapter 16, verse 16. It says this. Once when we were going to a place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who, who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune-telling. So notice that when you come across a fortune-teller, it's a spirit, not a spirit from God. It's an evil spirit. And there are people who are able to tell the, the future. Uh, just crazy, if you ask me. Uh, but it's so interesting what happens with this girl. This girl followed Paul and the rest of us, shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. Crazy. Someone who doesn't know God, fortune teller, shouting to everyone, wherever Paul is going, these men are servants of the Most High God, and they're telling you how to get saved. They're telling you how to get saved. She kept this up for many days. Many days. Finally, Paul got so aggravated. It says, finally, Paul became so troubled that he turned around and said to the spirit. Notice that he didn't turn around and, and say it to the girl. He said it to the spirit. In the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. And at that moment, the spirit left her. And when you grow up in New York and you live in California, you know, in Kentucky, there's a church on every corner. New York and California is a psychic almost on every corner. Every time I drive by one, I say, come out of her in Jesus' name. I don't know if they've gone out of business or what's happened, but I'll just leave it up to God on, on that one. But I love, I love praying that prayer. Here's what happened. The moment, at that moment, at the second he prays, the spirit leaves her. And when the owners of the slave girl realized that their hope of making money was gone, she no longer had the ability to tell the future. They seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates and said, These men are Jews and are throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in the attack, of course they did, against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten. And after they had been severely flogged, Notice the two words there, severely flogged. So when you got flogged, simply means that there was a whip, not just any whip. There was metal, rocks, and glass attached to these whips. So they would whip you, and typically a good one 
would rip open your skin wide open, leaving organs to see and basically leaving you for dead. This is not just an ordinary beating here. This is not an ordinary flogging. It says they were severely flogged. So they're bleeding out. They're in severe pain. And they were thrown in prison. And the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. Upon receiving such orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet to the stocks. Here's Paul's response and Silas's response. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. Anybody find that odd? And the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, because they're praying and singing hymns to God, in the midst of their pain, in the midst of their trial, suddenly, here's what happens when we choose, when we choose to praise, when we choose to pray and praise. Here's what happens. Suddenly, there was a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open. And everybody's chains came loose. Everybody say, the chains came loose. The jailer woke up, and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We're here. And the jailer called for lights, rushed in, and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved. Not only just for you, but you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and all the others in his house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. First he goes from locking them up to taking care of them, to washing his wounds. Then immediately he and all his family were baptized. His whole family gets saved. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. And he was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God. He and his whole family. So just like my friend Paul Westfall and just like the Apostle Paul. This morning, wherever you are watching online or here, I want to talk to you about moving from a prison of pain to a prison of praise. Having lost in a fire virtually everything they own, the Spafford family made new plans, including a move from Chicago to France. Horatio Spafford planned the trip for his wife and four daughters to be trouble-free as possible. To transport them from America to France, he booked passage on a huge ship and made sure they had Christians with them for fellowship along the way. And he planned to join them a few weeks later. In spite of much careful preparation, Mr. Spafford's plan suddenly dissolved when the ship carrying his loved ones was rammed by another vessel and sank, carrying his beloved four daughters to the bottom of that ocean. His wife arrived in Wales safely nine days later and telegraphed her husband the awful news that all four of their children had drowned. Spafford left Chicago to go and bring his wife home. As they crossed the Atlantic, the captain came and told them 
when they were passing over the spot where his four little girls had drowned and died. And at that place, Horatio Spafford took a pen and paper and wrote these words while passing over the spot where his daughters had perished. Here's what he wrote. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well within my soul. I don't know what type of faith it took for him to write that. But I guarantee you it's faith combined with gratitude and thanks. You could tell that he was a grateful man. Even in the midst of loss, he was grateful. And he took the worst prison experience of his life. And in that spot, in that place, with a pen, he turned that prison of pain into a prison of praise. Paul and Silas found themselves in a very difficult situation. Oppression, suffering, maybe a near-death experience. And they received everything they needed to experience the grace and power of God. And they turned that prison of pain into a prison of praise. So let me ask you today, are you thankful no matter what? That's the key, no matter what, are you thankful? Because life is like a nationwide commercial. It comes at you fast, doesn't it? And you never know what this, the next disaster is going to be like. Death, sickness, health issues, betrayals, and so on. It all comes knocking at your door when you least expect it. And this is the time of year where people are suffering, where people who are hurting, or people with past hurts that have never been healed, past issues that you thought were over with, you tend to go back to your old patterns. You see, the devil hates the fact that we celebrate a Thanksgiving that leads into a Christmas that represents the birth of Jesus Christ, who was born to die so that he can defeat the devil, defeat sin, so that we can inherit eternal life if we would trust in his son, Jesus Christ. And he hates the fact that we celebrate Christmas. And he hates this time of year. That's why this time of year is so difficult for so many of us. It's just a hard time of year. And we're without joy. We're without thankfulness. We're without gratitude. But I want to tell you today, we all have a lot to be thankful for. You have a lot to be thankful for today. Apostle Paul had every right to be bitter. He had every right to be angry, but he wasn't because he knew that the next footsteps coming in that corridor could have been the last footsteps that he heard, the last time that he would ever breathe, the last time he would ever live. He didn't know where they were going to take him away, execute him. He didn't know what was coming next in that prison cell. His only bed was a cramped prison cell. Not an hour had passed where he was free from the irritation of the chains that he was tied to against the wall. The bleeding out, the pain, the agony. But yet, here he is, singing, praising God, thanking God. How crazy is that? Separated from friends, unjustly accused. If ever a person had a right to complain, 
It would be the Apostle Paul. But praise rang from his lips all the time. He knew that Thanksgiving didn't come just once a year. He knew what thanks living was. Every day of his life, he was thankful. He was a man who learned the true meaning of thanksgiving, even in the midst of great adversity. And don't miss how they were praying and praising, not whining and complaining, like so many of us do. Earlier, when he had been in prison in Rome, he writes this in Ephesians 5, 19. He said, sing and make music in your heart. He wrote this in prison. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Think of it. Always, always giving thanks for everything, no matter the circumstances. Thanksgiving. The giving of of thanks to God for all of his blessings. Now listen to me. That should be the mark of every single follower of Jesus Christ. A person that always gives thanks. A person that's always thankful. A person that's always grateful. We can never allow a spirit of ingratitude to harden our heart and chill our relationship with God and with others. Nothing turns us into bitter, selfish, dissatisfied people more quickly than an ungrateful heart. But nothing will do more than than to restore contentment and the joy of our salvation than the true spirit of thankfulness. You know, Steve, a few weeks ago, said, Bill, why don't you preach Sunday before surgery? I said, Steve, what do you want me to preach on? He goes, whatever you want. You just pray about it. So God, I prayed about it. Didn't know what he was going to preach last week. God said, preach on thankfulness and gratefulness. He preached on that last week. Actually, he went into my office, took half my notes, And no, he didn't. So you're going to get the message twice, just in a different, you're going to get it in a New York type of way today. And last week as he was preaching about the lepers, uh, the 10 lepers in Luke 17, I, I want us to take a look at it again, but just from the amplified version. You know why they call it the amplified version? Because they amplified the scriptures. That's why. It just gives you a greater meaning to it. It says this in Luke 17, 11 through 19. While Jesus was on the way to Jerusalem, He was passing along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered a village, he was met by 10 lepers who stood at a distance. Now, now, this is when social distancing first started. It's been around a long time, just so you know. Matter of fact, if you you had leprosy, it was Mosaic law that you had to to stand back 16 feet behind anyone else or or away from anyone else. And that rule changed if if it was windy. And so, they, so by law, it says, what, they knew that they couldn't get close to someone who didn't have leprosy. And it says, as he entered a village, he was met by 10 lepers who stood at a distance. So that's why they stood at a distance. But watch what they do, even from a distance. They raised their voices and called out, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. Jesus, we can't, we can't come close to you right now, but Jesus, have mercy on us. They all cried out. They all cried out. When he saw them, all of them, he said to them, go and show yourself to the priest. Doesn't even say a prayer over them. Just say, go show yourself to the priest. And that was law. If you were healed, you had to go show yourself to the priest. The priest said, well, you're healed. 
and they declared you clean, then you can get back into society. And as they went, it says they were miraculously healed and made clean. Now watch this. Don't miss this. This is so important. When you study, whenever Jesus has an encounter with someone, he heals someone many, many times. He always gives us something to do. For the lepers, he says, go and show yourselves to the priest. The guy at the pool in Bethesda, he says, get up, pick up your mat and walk. And the guy was healed. He, he, he does, he's always, a lot of us are looking for healing, but we always miss the direction that he gives us in order for us to get healed. He always gives us something to do. Never miss that. Let's pick up the story again. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, one of them, remember, 10 are healed, turned back glorifying and praising and honoring God with a loud voice. And he lay face downward at Jesus' feet, thanking him over and over and over. He was a Samaritan. And then Jesus asked, we're not 10? We're not 10 of you? cleansed? Where are all the other nine? You could tell it's bothering him. Was there, was there no one found to return and give thanks and praise to God except this foreigner? But Jesus said to the one, get up and go on your way. Your faith, and I love this. In other words, your faith, which is this, your personal trust in me and your confidence in God's power. Your personal trust in me and your confidence in God's power has restored you to full health. A lot of us want healing in our lives. But did you catch that? Your personal trust in me and confidence in God's power. So let me ask you this morning, how personal is your trust in God today? Is your trust relational? Is it, is it abiding? Is it personal? How, how deep is your trust in God today? And at what level, it's a big one, at, at what level is your confidence in God's power today to come through in your situation, to come through for your body, to come through for your healing, to come through for your deliverance? I was again moved by the Samaritan leper and the undeniable power that gratefulness had on his life. Thinking about this story that Steve preached last week and that we're hitting on again this week, I wonder if those stats are still true today. Do only 10 of us are grateful for what Jesus has done for us? For how he's healed us, how he saved us, how he set us free? Because we live in a self-centered, narcissistic world of self-entitlement, don't we? We live in a world of what have you done for me lately? Ingratitude has unfortunately gripped our society. Ingratitude and thanklessness are far too common. Children forget to thank their parents for all they do. Common courtesy is scorn. We take for granted all the ways that people help us. And above all, we fail to thank God for all of his blessings. Ingratitude is a sin. Just as surely as lying, stealing, immorality, or any other sin condemned by the Bible. An ungrateful heart is a heart that is cold toward God and indifferent to his mercy and love. It is a heart that has forgotten, watch this, how dependent we are on God. If you let even an ounce of ingratitude set in, 
you lose a healthy dependency on God. We need to be dependent every day on God and thankful every day. And from one end of the Bible to the other, from Genesis to Revelation, we're commanded to be grateful and thankful. You know, the word thanks and thank appears in the Bible more than 200 times. And there were 48 statements of people giving thanks. And one particular phrase was mentioned over and over at least 10 times. It says, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. I say that all the time. There was a group of people in the Bible. We call them the Levites, just like our worship team. And every morning and every evening, they would offer a thank offering to God. Every day. They would offer a thank offering to God. We do this at Encounter a lot. Do you, do you take the time each and every day to give God a thank offering? I mean, just, a, just say, thank you, Lord. Thank you for waking me up. Thank you, for, thank you for everything. Thank you, Lord. We would do well to imitate the Levites giving thanks each morning and every evening to God. The psalmist declared, sing to the Lord with thanksgiving. So listen, there are a lot of reasons. Do you feel thankful today? Are you thankful you're alive today? Are you thankful you got air to breathe? You got clothes to wear? Some of you have more than one house. You got a house that you live in. You got a house you put your car in. But you never see in another country. Listen, you've been blessed with so many blessings. But let me give you, you see, the more thankful you are, the more, realize, the more you're going to realize how blessed you really are. I can give you a million blessings. Let me just give you five blessings that you can thank God every day for. Are you ready? You may want to write this down. Thank God for the material blessings that he gives you. The material blessings that he gives you. You know, we never seem to be satisfied with what we have. Rich, poor, healthy or sick. But what a difference it makes when we realize that everything, I mean everything, We've been given to us that we have comes from God. Here's what King David wrote. And he prayed this prayer in 1 Chronicles 29. He said, wealth and honor come from you and you alone. For you rule over everything. Power and might are in your hand. And at your discretion, people are made great and given strength. Oh, our God. I want you to see the gratitude in this prayer. We thank you and praise your glorious name. But who am I? And who are my people that we could give anything to you? Because everything we have has come from you. And we give you only what you first gave us. We give you only what you first gave us. See, a lot of us say, well, I'm not sure about this tithing thing. And this is what I love about this church. Okay, this is the most generous church I know. We're the only church I know of that doesn't take up an offering every week because you people are faithful uh, to give back to God. But a lot of us that aren't there, that hesitate, we think, well, I'll give God what I make. Well, you didn't make it. It's all from God. God gave you that job. God gave you that check. God gave you that money. Everything that we have in our life comes from God. Paul declared this, and this is a great place to get to. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, Philippians 4.12. I got to tell you, it's a wonderful place and it's a wonderful goal that you can 
reach in your life when you can say, you know what? I'm pretty content. Whether I have a lot, whether I don't have a lot, because I'm thankful. I know today, and I mentioned this to Steve about a month ago. Steve said, how, how are you doing? I said, how are you doing? Don't ask me how I'm doing. How are you doing? And I said, I'm doing pretty good. I'm smack right dab in the center of God's will, and I'm as content as I've ever been. I love being here. I love being a blessing to you because you're such a blessing to me. And it's, it's, just, it's just being content with what you have, what you don't have. I mean, I'm, I, I mean some people would just be, I mean, I'm looking at getting a new knee. I'm get, some people say, oh, I got to go under the knife. No, I'm getting a new knee. I'll be jumping up and down again pretty soon pretty excited. But the spirit of thankfulness makes all the difference. And let me ask you this. Are you constantly preoccupied with what you do not have? Or have you learned to thank God for what you do have? So you can thank God either way. You can thank God before you even see the blessing. You can thank God before the miracle happens. Two, thank God for the people in your life. Oh, so easy to take people for granted. I do this. I shouldn't. Or even to complain and become angry when they don't meet our very wish. But we need to give thanks for those around us. Our spouses, our children, our relatives, our friends, our co-laborers in ministry. Others who help us, others who bless us. So many of you, such a blessing to me and Carolyn and our staff here at COS. I mean, you're just a serving church. We're so grateful for you, how you serve around here. But I think about, I think about, and you know, for, for two, over two decades, me and Carolyn have been on the front lines helping couples, you, you know, try and put the mis- missing pieces of the puzzle of, you know, just broken relationships together. And I lo- I'm attracted to broken people. And I-, I can't help but think how many marriages and relationships grow cold and eventually are shattered because of the sin of ingratitude and selfishness. I mean, do you let others know that you appreciate them and you're thankful for them? Do you? You should. And I know it's hard. I know it's really, really hard because I know some of you, you got some EGRs, HMPs, and CTP people in your life. We all have them. EGR, extra grace required. HMPs, high maintenance people. And CTP, those are just crazy trained people in your life. You all got them. You know who they are. Okay, right now, the five, six names popped up in all your heads. Okay? I got some crazy trained people in my life. Thank God for them. Thank God for them. Thank God for extra grace required. Thank God for them. Thank God for high-maintenance people. It reminds me how blessed I am. Reminds me how grateful I am. Listen, if you didn't have grace challenges in your life, okay, you would grow cold and, and the sin of ingratitude would set in. See, the Christian church in Corinth, totally out of order. Totally out of order. Far from perfect. But when Paul penned his first letter to them in 1 Corinthians, he started out by saying, I always thank God for you. Bless your heart. I always thank God for you. (laughs) He didn't say bless your heart. That came at St. Pearson, St. somewhere down the line, years down south somewhere in Clemson. And when a group of believers that Paul never met in Acts 28 approached him in Rome, he said this, at the sight of these men, Paul thanked God and was encouraged. This is a man of great gratitude. 
He was always thankful. He was always full of joy. So I want to challenge you today. Thank God for those who touch your life. Three, thank God in the midst of trials and even persecution. A lot of times we blame God. A lot of times we get mad at God. A lot of times we lash out at other people. But what about just thanking God in the midst of your trial, in the midst of your pain, in the midst of your persecution? See, we draw back from difficulties, but none of us are exempt from any type of trouble. You know, in many parts of the world, it's just dangerous to be a Christian. A couple of weeks ago, Jonathan Wilbur was preaching at our missions conference, did a fabulous job. He's talking about Iranian pastors who were persecuted and jailed and beaten. Think about that. I mean, right now, there's a pastor in Finland that's on trial for preaching the Bible. Right now. Right now. All of Europe is watching it. If he gets found guilty, guess what? It's coming to a, a town near you. But yet in the midst of all these trials, we can still thank God. Because we know that what he promised is that he'll always be with us. He'll never forsake us. He'll never leave us. And nothing could ever separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Amen? And listen. And God doesn't, God doesn't want you to skip out on his school of character development either. That's why James says, consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kind. Because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. And if you develop perseverance, that's going to take you on a pathway to where hope is going to be revealed. And you can never do without. There's a lot of things you can do without. You can't do without hope. And this type of hope that Paul was talking about will never disappoint. When, the, when Daniel, the prophet, learned that evil men were plotting against him, here's what he did. He got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks they're going to kill me, Lord, but I thank you, Lord. You're able. You're bigger. You're stronger. You're my defender. You fight my battles. He gave thanks just as he had done before. He was used to doing it. And Paul declared, you will even be able to thank God in the midst of pain and distress because you are privileged to share in the lot of those who are living in the light. I don't know what kind of trials you're facing right now, but God knows and he loves you and he's able. Nothing is impossible for God. And I want to challenge you to cultivate a spirit of thankfulness even in the midst of trials and thankfulness, even in the trials of your heartaches. Now, here's some, it's almost impossible for me to do a message on being grateful and thankful without mentioning my wife. My, my, my wife, Carolyn, I'll forever be grateful to her because she introduced me to Jesus Christ. And, and she is one of the most godliest women that I know. And she has the gift of discernment. But she is a, she is a, a worshiper. And she's a thankful person. And she's always given thanks. I mean, just in the middle of a day, she could be doing something, okay? I mean, just making some soup or something. Thank you, Lord. Soup is done. You know, opens the refrigerator, finds milk in there that I, you know, haven't drank at all. Thank you, Lord. You know, she says, so we, we watch our kids. She's teaching our grandkids how to be thankful and grateful just by how she lives. So we, we had our grandkids over one time and little Carson, my, my grandson and Claire, my granddaughter, they were working on some toys and Carson was having a hard time with something he was putting together. He put it together. He said, thank you, Lord. Okay. She's teaching our grandkids how to be thankful. And now what's coming out of their mouth naturally is that when anything good, even the little things, thank you, Lord. 
You go around all day and say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. I want to challenge you to do so. Number four, thank God especially for his salvation in Jesus Christ. This is important. As Christians, I want to talk to seasoned Christians. I've been a Christian since 1912. We've, a lot of us, when we lose the spirit of gratefulness and thankfulness, we tend to forget what happened to us at salvation. We tend to forget what Jesus did for us on the day we gave our heart to him, the day we repented, turned from our sins, trusted in Jesus Christ to be our Lord and Savior. We forget that he wrote our name in a book never to be erased. We forget that if anyone is in Christ, the old is gone, the new has come, that he's made us new. He's given us a new heart with new and right desires. He's given us the mind of Christ. He's given us a new lease on life. He's given us power. He's given us the Holy Spirit to live inside of us, resurrection power, the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead now lives in us. He's given us the Holy Spirit that lives in us. And this is all, this is everything that happened when you received Jesus Christ. And then he wants to give you more of the Holy Spirit. He wants to baptize you in the Holy Spirit. God says, I got more for you. Everything, but everything comes through his son. It all starts at salvation. Everything starts at salvation. Paul said, thanks be to God for his his indescribable gift. You see, we were separated from God. Condemned to die in our sins. We had a death sentence. We were dead people walking. But then Jesus came. And God loved us so much. He wanted us to be a part of his family. He came up with the greatest plan ever. That whoever would trust in Jesus Christ. That God would forgive them. Through his son. Greatest plan ever. When was the last time you thought. You you just said. God thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for saving me. Have you opened up your heart to Jesus? Have you given your life to Christ? You'll have an opportunity to do so. Even now as I'm speaking, you can say, Jesus, I invite you into my heart. Come into my life. I don't want to be this way anymore. I need a new life. And if you do know Christ, how long has it been since you thanked him for your salvation? You thanked him for the blood that he brought you out of darkness into marvelous light. We shouldn't let a day go by without thanking God for his salvation. You know, when Peter was talking about, in 2 Peter uh, 1, verses 3 through 11, he talks about how to make our calling and election sure. And, and, and the thing that, that he, he starts out with, he says, his divine power has given us everything that we need. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him. And he gives us 15 things to add to our faith. Goodness, faithfulness, all these things to add to our faith that we should be thankful for. Because of his divine power has given us everything that we need for godliness and life through our knowledge of him. How many people are thankful that he's given us power and knowledge through Jesus Christ and the word? I'm grateful. And then he tells us to add to our faith. But if we don't add to our faith, this gratefulness, thankfulness, goodness, self-control, all these things that I'm grateful for because I never was able to do without the power of God in my life. So you're never in control until the Holy Spirit has control. And he says, if you add these things, he gives two great promises. 
Okay, he says you're going to he says you're going to be welcomed into heaven with a rich eternal reward. But he says he gives you several consequences, and one of the consequences that he says you'll forget that you've been forgiven of past sins. In other words, if you don't incorporate, if you don't work, if you don't work out your salvation, in other words, you're saved because now you are saved. You add to your faith all these things. Cultivate gratitude and thankfulness and goodness into your life, knowledge of him, all these things. You'll forget that you've been forgiven of past sins. In other words, you'll forget that you've been saved. You'll lose the gratefulness and thankfulness of being saved. Don't let a day go by without being grateful for what Jesus has done for you on the cross. Number five, thank God for his continued presence and power in your life through the Holy Spirit. How many people are grateful for the presence of God? I'm grateful that, that I serve in a presence-based church. You see, a lot of us, when we come to Christ, a lot of us think, well, it's the end. No, it's just the beginning. It's just the beginning. It's a beginning of a life full of joy, full of power, full of gratitude and thankfulness. And that's what God wants us to be. Thankful all the time. How many people have read the book, the Jungle Book, good book, right? Jungle Book by Rudyard Kipling, great book, right? I've never read it. So. One day a reporter approached him and Kipling and said this, I've read that someone has calculated all the money you've made from your books and it comes out to about $100 per word. Then hoping to turn the meeting into a good story, the man reached into his pocket and said, here's $100, Mr. Kipling. Now give me one of your $100 words. Well, the writer took the $100 bill, put it in his pocket, and he said, thanks. <laughs> you know, it's a valuable word. Not just because of the powerful meaning it conveys, but it's a word more rarely spoken than one would think. Especially in this day and age, right? Right? And strangely, ingratitude is a, is a persistent epidemic in our society, even in the midst of overabundance. How can we have so much and thank so little? You know, we find it easy to thank God privately, but what about publicly confessing our gratitude? Publicly doing it. Our acts of humility are a gift back to him that he delights in receiving. After all, love is a two-way relationship. And the more we seek God's presence in our lives, the more we seek him in prayer and in his word, the more we're going to see what he's doing around us. And the more we'll feel compelled to give thanks in all circumstances. And you know what? The more, the more we do that, the more we're going to understand in, that he truly desires and takes pleasure in our gratitude. Just as it means a great deal to us, a deal to us when our spouse, when a child, a friend sincerely will thank us as an act of love. Don't you, don't you feel good when someone says, hey, Palma, thank you. Thank you. Heather, thank you. Steve, thank you. Thank you for all that you do. You know, there's a difference between seeking the hand of God and not just the face of God. In the first service, I caught a fly in the air with my hand. This time I caught it in the back of my neck 
Okay, and that's the second dead fly, <laughs> just for you, sir. This is a miracle of God just happened. <laughs> you saw it here. Call the 700 Club. Okay. When you <laughs> act like an idiot, get out of work. It's been my motto for years. When you seek his hand in his face, you seek the blessing of God, but you also seek the presence of God and getting to know him intimately. You see, I need the hand of blessing so I can know that he's mighty, powerful, and faithful. But I need the presence and time spent with God so I can know how much he loves me and he's never forsaken me. I don't know if you've ever received this, but at times I've received holy hugs from God. I need that every now and then. When no one's around, life is hard to take. I go off by myself. I don't say anything. And I just say, Father, would you just speak to me? And sometimes he doesn't speak to me, but he just holds me. And I'm in his lap. I spend time with God. But the less we seek God, the less we'll see him. So that when he blesses us with good things, we're less likely to thank him as a source. You know, we'll get a job and we'll say, well, I did really good on the interview instead of thanking God for the job. Or you'll get healed of something and say, well, that surgeon did a really good job. Well, it was God that gifted the surgeon because every good gift comes from our Father above. It's God that gave the surgeon the knowledge and the brain and the will to do what he did. You see, you'll never give credit to God if you're not experiencing this his presence, and confessing your dependence upon him. I want to challenge you to do that today. Now, ultimately, we don't have to thank God for him to bless us. He doesn't bless us on, based on those who just give him credit. Every good gift that anyone on earth receives comes from him, whether or not the gift giver is acknowledged. Jesus didn't take away the healing from the other nine lepers. But when we take his gifts and run never confessing our gratitude and dependence by saying thank you, we miss out. And we do that all the time. Lord, thank you. Like 15 seconds or a minute. And it's, Lord, do you see what's going on here? We prayed for a year for this miracle breakthrough. We prayed for this house. We prayed for this job. We prayed for this healing. We prayed for my boy to come home. We prayed for my spouse to come to their senses. We prayed my spouse to come home. We, we prayed for deliverance. We prayed for every yoke of bondage to be broken, and now it's broken. It's like a 15-second, thank you, Lord. Now, you see what's going on? We go from one problem to another when we should be praising God from one to another all the time. And if we do that, we're going to miss out on everything that he desires to give us. But yet when we choose to live in continuous gratitude, we free ourselves to receive the greatest gift of all, and that's a relationship with the gift giver himself. You know, just honestly, I'm no different than those nine lepers who didn't go thank Jesus. I'm, I'm guilty of this. I'm sorry. I have a thousand things to be grateful for. And at times I focus on the one thing that I need a lot. And many of us cry out and pray for the one thing 
and it's just going on to the next. And I'm just as guilty. I don't want to be like that, ever. I don't ever want to be without a spirit of gratefulness and thankfulness and gratitude and joy. As a matter of fact, today, I owe some back pay in thanking God. My guess is that some of you do too. We owe some back pay in thanking and praising God. You know, it really is a sign of the times that the Bible predicted in 2 Timothy when it says, but mark this, there'll be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents. Watch this, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Watch this, having a form of godliness. In other words, people in the church but denying its power. You see how important the Holy Spirit is? Have nothing to do with such people, Paul says. Did you catch that being ungrateful is right in the middle of that list? They deny the Holy Spirit. They deny anything from the Spirit that leads to life because of their unbelief and ungratefulness, and as a result, their lives become undone. Maybe you find it hard to just say thanks. You know what I'm thankful for today? I'm thankful that he loves me even when I'm not thankful. How about you? Are you thankful that he loves you despite you? I am. If you can't find anything to be thankful, you can be thankful about that. Thank you, God, for your mercy. Thank you for the blood. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for salvation. Thank you for grace. Thank you for mercies that are new every day. Thank you, God, hallelujah, to the King of Kings, Jesus Christ. I want to thank God today. I want you to thank God today. I want you to give him thank offerings today. Do you notice how it hurt Jesus with the nine lepers? Why, why is this so important? Let me give you two reasons why cultivating this gratitude and thanking God is important. One Ingratitude is the first step to backsliding and departure from God. Ingratitude is the first step to backsliding. You say, Bill, that's a strong word, backsliding. Well, we all backslide. It's not, not just a total backslide where someone's totally backsliding. Some of you, you backslide. You're leakers. You get filled. Oh, look at me. I'm all filled with the Holy Spirit. Got the joy of the Lord in my strength. You know, someone needs to tell your face. Because you're downcast. And then you leak because you complain and you whine. Remember the old show on Saturday Night Live, The Whiners? I don't want to thank God. We do it all the time. Life is hard. Yes, it's hard. And God knows how hard it is. But you may be just one praise away from a miracle breakthrough. You may be just one thank away from the presence and power of God and an earthquake and chains falling, and deliverance, and salvation. You just never know. Look what it says in Romans. Romans 1, 20. It says, for ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature. As a result, they have no excuse for not knowing God. Now watch this. Yes, they knew God, 
but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. Do you see how giving thanks is just a normal part of worship, a normal part of Christian living? And if you don't do it, here's what happens. And they began to think of foolish ideas of what God was like. Because if you're not grateful to God, if you're not thankful to God, if you're not offering a sacrifice of praise and a thank offering every day, you'll come up with crazy ideas about God. And they began to think of foolish ideas of what God was like. And as a result, their minds became dark and confused. Claiming to be wise, they instead became utter fools. You see why it's important to have a thankful heart? For our own sake, for our own salvation, for our own sanity. Let's get a reset today. Let's refocus and count our blessings instead of just our problems. Let's tell others and God what we're grateful about instead of what we normally gripe about. You ever go to a meeting, get around four or five people, and all they're doing is griping? Let's not be leeches, always draining and sucking the blood out of people. But thanking. Paul says, whatever you do, do to the edification of the saints. You know what that means? That just means I got to build you up. Paul says, whatever you do, make sure you're building people up. We got too many people tearing people down. We need to build people up. Psalm 100 says, enter into his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. Here's the second reason why we need to have an attitude of gratitude and thank God each and every day. A humble attitude of gratefulness refocuses our attention to the things that really matter in this life. When we have this mindset, our gaze moves away from self-inflicted stress to genuine contentment. That's when peace, like a river, comes over you. That's when you take scriptures like Philippians 4, 6, 7, which says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you'll experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Did you catch that? There's great scriptures that give you a statement, that give you instructions what to do in lieu of that statement, and then a promise if you actually do it. The statement is, don't, be, don't worry about anything, but pray about everything and thank God for everything. Do it with joy. Do it with thanksgiving. Then you're going to experience peace that surpasses all understanding. It's going to guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. The world can't offer this peace. It was peace that Horatio Spafford felt when he penned that song. Number three, when we thank God, did you know that you honor God? Did you know that? It honors God. And it helps you stay on the right path. Every day when you thank God, it'll help you stay on the right path. The psalmist put it this way in Psalm 50. He says, but giving thanks is a sacrifice that truly honors me. If you keep to my path, I will reveal to you the salvation of God. Number four. It's God's will to thank him. Not only each and every day, but in all circumstances. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18 says, always be joyful, never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Whenever you come across a scripture that says it's God's will for you, it's a good idea to do it. Joyful. Pray without ceasing. 
thankful in all circumstances. You know what's the opposite of that? Always be stressed and depressed. Never pray and be resentful in all circumstances. That is the majority. For that is the devil's will for you in Christ Jesus. I know what some of you are thinking. We don't have a lot to give thanks for this time of year. I'm just not feeling it, Bill. You're always joyful. Not me. I like this face I put on. And maybe you're having financial problems, health problems. Maybe there's conflict in your family. Maybe there's real pain. Pain that you can't bear. And it's real and it's hard. But maybe we need to get things into perspective. Because the primary reason we were put on this earth as human beings was to glorify God and give him thanks. Period. The Bible tells us this over and over again. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His mercy endures forever in Psalm 107, Colossians 3.17. And for whatever you do in word or deed, do it, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Hebrews 13.15. Therefore, by him, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God that is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. Praise. Worship. Be a sacrifice, but we don't want to do it. 11 years ago, when Carolyn got diagnosed with cancer, she heard the words, you have cancer. Never said a word. Came in the car with me, looked at me. First words out of Carolyn's mouth. She looked at me. She quoted Mary in Luke 146 and said, my soul, my soul magnifies the Lord, for he has done great things for me. And God healed her. The Bible does not say give thanks to the Lord because you feel good. It says give thanks to the Lord because he is good. He's a good, good father. So listen, we're going to end this in a very different way. There was a pastor in Michigan, uh, a vibrant, joyful pastor that got diagnosed with ALS. And a filmmaker recorded his journey. And he wound up being friends with another pastor with ALS. I want you to see Ed's story on gratitude. Check this out. In the morning, um, first thing he says to me is, okay, which means he needs his nighttime breathing machine turned off. He can't do that by himself. Now, I have lots of problems. Whatever you think about doing yourself during the day, that's what I help him with. As his needs grow, I do have some times where it's hard to be thankful, 
I always believed in the resurrected Jesus. But now I'm attracted to the suffering Jesus. I think suffering either makes you angry or grateful. And I'm grateful for Lorna. Thank you. You're welcome. You oh. want a kiss? <laughs> oh, can't do it so close. <laughs> I think I learned gratitude from African Americans who have been through slavery, discrimination, and racism, even today. One day, a communication was circling around the inner city, and uh, it was basically from it. And I said, I'll go, but it's just a white boy trying to show some relationship with some black folk. But he captured my attention. <laughs> I was not the same fella when the meeting was over. We were brothers, right? We are brothers. Now, I didn't know that he was a forerunner in my life with the same disease. Pastor Rhodes has been a friend for many, many years. Ed would preach in his church even up till the time of Dr. Rhodes' diagnosis. I wouldn't wish ALS on my worst enemy. And to me, a close friend, I couldn't believe it. I asked him to preach my funeral, and he asked me to preach his. He claims I'm half black, though I don't look it. Huh? You will not have to be in a black church very long before you hear someone say to God, thank you for waking me up this morning. From slavery until now, that's been in our makeup. Ed said to us, white folk don't say thank you for waking me up this morning but he's incorporated it because without the grace of God, you would remain in the very image of death. The more I struggle, the greater the gratitude because there's so much 
I can't do. So I focus on what I can do, and that gives me gratitude. Sunday, this young woman, 14, 15, she's leading us in prayer. She says, Lord, we have been bothering you about making our pastor well. But this morning, we want to thank you. He can still walk. He can still talk. Thank you for the things that are right in his body. So, you know, we all was wrecked by then. <laughs> in the epistles, uh, the verse says, in everything give thanks, not for everything give thanks. I'm not thankful for ALS, but in the midst of it, I can be thankful. It's good. Yeah, that was good. If I'm blessed to be here tomorrow, I will be grateful. I mean, really grateful, because my jar got some cracks in it. Ed's jar, it's got some cracks in it. But the real treasure can't be damaged, can't be damaged. Live for today. Enjoy whatever your circumstances and go to man and wake up and pray. Lord, thank you for waking me up this morning. Today's a good day to thank God. Today's a good day to thank God. Anybody want to shout out, thank you for waking me up this morning? Whatever back pay you have in giving God thanks, it's a good time. Just like the leper who never, who had to yell out with the other nine, Jesus, help us. But after he was healed, he came running to his feet and thanked him over and over and over. In our response time this morning, whatever your need is, 
I want to invite you to come running to his feet. God is here. His presence is here. His love is here. I challenge you not, not to even ask God for anything. At the end of the service, there'll be people to my left and to my right. But right now, if you feel compelled, if there's, if there's an ounce of gratitude in your heart, would you come forward to the feet of Jesus and just say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for waking me up. And today, if you're in this place and you heard this message about a Savior, you say, I, I, I want a relationship with Jesus. I don't have any joy in my life. I don't have any peace. I need, I need salvation. If that's you, would you say, Bill, I need Jesus. Would you raise your hand or come forward or just acknowledge, I need Jesus Christ. Thank you. I need Christ. Today's your day. Today's the day of salvation. Today's the day of thanks. Today's the day where we realize how blessed we really are. Today's the day where maybe even a simple hallelujah that you think is just a, a word is the difference between you making it and being set free. You never know what God will do in a moment of gratitude and thanks as opposed to asking, always asking, always asking. Why not combine the asking with praising and the thanking and thank God for all that he's done? And as we transition into this song, it's not even a song, it's one of the, one of the most worshipful songs I've, I've ever heard. It says, thank you for the blood. Why don't we thank God for our salvation? Why don't we thank God for the blood? Why don't we thank God that he brought us from the darkness into the marvelous light? I want to be known as the thankful church and a grateful church and a giving church and a blessing church, not just a church that is blessed, but a blessing church. I want to challenge you to give God his rightful due of praise and thanks and gratitude today as we worship. Come now. Thank God for all he's done.
was a wretch. I remember who I was. I was lost. I was blind. I was running out of time. Sin separated. The breach was far too wide. From the far side of the chasm, you held me in your sight, and you made a way across the great divide. Left behind heaven's throne to build it here inside, and there. At the cross, you paid the debt I owed. Broke my chains, freed my soul. For the first time, I had hope. Thank you, Jesus, for the blood applied. Thank you, Jesus, it has washed me white. Into glorious light. You took my place, laid inside my tomb of sin. You were buried for three days, but then you walked right out again. Now death has no sting. Life has no end, for I have been transformed by the blood of the Lamb. Thank you, Jesus, for the blood of life. Thank you, Jesus, it has washed me white.
Say thank you, God. Praise you, Jesus. Thank you for waking me up this morning. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Here's an encouraging thought. One last thought. I I know it's hard. You know, you know who knows more that it's hard than me? God. But here's a thought for you. You're always on his mind, you're always in his plans, and you're always in his hands. Think about that. Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you. Plans not to harm you, but to give you a hope and a future. I know. I know. You're always on his mind. But I know the plans. You're always in his plans. You're always on his mind. You're always in his plans. And then Israel was going through a tough time. And Isaiah, it says... Why has God forsaken me? And when we're in a tough time, a lot of times you say, God, where are you? Why have you forsaken me? Scripture says, even though a mother forget her child, I will never forget you. As a matter of fact, I have engraved you in the palm of my hands. You're always on his mind. You're always in his plans. And you're always in his hands. He loves you, cares for you deeply. Whatever you do, whether you're on the mountaintop or you're on the bottom or you're somewhere in the middle, always, always incorporate a spirit of thankfulness and gratitude in your life. God is good. Always has been, always will be. Whatever prayer you need, I got people to my left and right. Don't leave here without being encouraged by having a brother or sister pray for you. Need to go get your kids. Go do so right now. Thank you for being with us this morning. God bless you. Have a great Sunday. joining us at Church of the Savior online today. We hope you are encouraged to pursue God and grow in your walk with Jesus. 
If you made a decision to follow Jesus for the first time today, please reach out to us. We would love to help you take your next step. Please visit our website for information on upcoming events and how you can connect with the COS family. There is also a prayer request form where you can let us know how we can pray for you. Thanks again for tuning in. Hope to see you next week.